Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to experience the debut episode of my new music, uh, music education and reminiscing series. I call it the K-10. It's one, every episode is 10 tracks from a different decade with me giving you some base information and where appropriate and when I can remember stuff, giving you a few reminiscences about the track and any significance it had in the family history or my life or anything like that. Before we start with today's episode, which will be the 1950s volume one, I'm going to lay out the ground rules here. Again, as I said, all cho- all shows will be made up of 10 tracks. No songs will be played during these shows. This is because of the obvious copyright issues. We got to be careful with that. We got to make sure that we play by the rules. And I, if I put this on the internet or something, I don't need it taken down because I violated copyright. However, to benefit those who want to hear the music, I will build 10 seconds in after I complete after I complete my discussion of every track, so that you can pause the recording, find the find the uh, find the song on the internet, whichever method you you can find them. And most of what I'm going to be discussing is readily available everywhere. And then you can come back and go to the next track. That way there's everybody wins and it works out really, it really, it really works out for everybody. All regular episodes of this series will be decade specific. All tracks on the regular shows must be the original hit version and they must be available on iTunes, no re-records. And believe me, having been a regular iTunes iTunes visitor, I can tell you right now, there are quite a few tracks where the original hit version is not available on iTunes. All tracks not available in their original version are not, there's not hopeless, it's not hopeless that I will not, that I will ever cover them. They will be covered in a series of episodes I'm going to do regularly, which are going to be non-decade specific and they're going to be called From the Vault episodes. And believe me, there's a lot of these tracks that the original version is not available on iTunes. And there's one artist in specific it's specific that when the time comes, I'll get to him that you can't find anywhere on iTunes. And I'll explain why and I'll explain where, where you can find him. And other than that, those episodes will have the oddballs that I can't find on iTunes anywhere. Uh, where possible during these shows, I will point out where on iTunes to find the original version uh, if it is difficult to find. A lot of what I'm going to be covering is a lot of stuff that there that is commonly available on iTunes, but sometimes the original hit version is buried pretty deep or you have to do a specific search to get the right version to come up. And I will let you know where you can find the original version. The decades that will be covered in this series will be the 1950s up through the 2010s. Also later on, I'm going to probably throw in a 2020 so far episode at some point to stretch the range from seven decades to eight. And I've decided during the holidays there will be there will be several non-decade specific holiday themed episodes with 10 holiday tracks or holiday specific tracks that we're going to cover. When I'm talking about this, I'm saying I'm thinking Chris, Christmas, Halloween, etc., stuff like that where there's a lot 
of music ready to go. Now, now that we're done with the the preamble, give me a second here, and I will pull up the. I'm going to pull up the notes for the for the episode, and we're going to start in on the 1950s volumes volume one. The first track we're going to talk about is one of the most ubiquitous oldies from the ubiquitous songs and ubiquitous oldies from the 1950s. When the 1950s and early 60s were the prime sweet spot for the oldies stations in every town, this was one of the songs played, and it's We're Gonna Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley in the Comets. This was DECA single number 929124. It was originally released in May of 1954. Then it was reissued in the summer of 1955 when the song appeared in the movie The Blackboard Jungle. Now, I read that the version that appears in The Blackboard Jungle is a little different than the single version. Uh, slight difference with the instrumental break, the instrumental breaks, but it's the original hit version that came back in 55 and became a hit. This was also came back again in the 70s a couple of times. It was used as the theme song for Happy Days in the first season. And the version used on that show was a truncated re-record by Bill Haley in the Comets, and it was not the original 1950s version. The original 1955, 54-55 hit version was reissued as a single by MCA in 1974, when the song appeared in the movie American Graffiti. The song also had a brief cameo, so to speak, in the 1978 movie Superman the Movie during the the Smallville sequence, early in the movie. And this single is purportedly the second best, it has not been confirmed, there's no confirmation of this, it is purportedly the second best-selling single behind White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Now, I don't know if Elton John with his Candle in the Wind 97, which will be discussed on a later episode, has anything to say about that, but we'll see. Now, as far as remembering this, the first time I had to have heard this was on the oldie station in Pittsburgh or Dayton. Uh, I have multiple copies of it on cassette and CD somewhere. So this, this keeps coming up on every oldies compilation, almost guaranteed. And except for the re-record they did for Happy Days, I don't think there was ever a, they fully ever re-recorded this. So most of the versions on iTunes are the original hit version. There's a Millennium Collection. There's a, an album by Bill Haley in the Comets called Rock Around the Clock, which has the original version. And there's also, I believe it's called from the original master tapes or something. Same, same song, third verse. It's the original version just in another package. I remember, I, I mean, you've, you've, I've heard this millions of times, like on jukeboxes, everything. And I can't specifically say when the first time I heard it was. It was probably on the, the oldie station in Pittsburgh or Dayton. And let's leave it at that. Uh, I'm going to give you 10-second count. I'm going to give you your 10 seconds right now to find that track online and listen to it. And then we'll come back and discuss track number two. And we're back. Now we go to track number two. One of the tracks that is often cited as the first rock and roll record ever, although that that issue will never be straightened out. I'm referring to Sun Single number 209, better known as 
That's All Right or That's All Right Mama by Elvis Presley. The record, the single has it credited to Elvis Presley with Scotty and Bill, and that is Elvis's original two backing musicians, Scotty Moore and Bill Black. This was released in July of 1954. It was Elvis' debut single, and it did not chart nationally, but it was a big hit locally in Memphis. However, in July of 2004, the song was reissued as a CD single, which I do have somewhere, and it peaked at number three on the UK charts when it was released. The B-side of the single, which is also on the CD single, is The Blue Moon of Kentucky. This is, like I said, this record is considered one of the first rock and roll records ever made. It's one of the classics recorded at, at Sam Phillips's Sun Records. Now, my first ever interaction with this record, I have to believe it was the Sunday morning Elvis show on Magic, 105.7 here in Cleveland. Because prior to that, I don't have any memory of ever hearing the song because the oldie stations that we usually listen to usually focused on the 60s and rarely ever dipped back into the 50s. But I know they played it at least once or twice on the Elvis show that they used to have on Sunday mornings on Magic 105.7. And I'm sure if you listen to the Elvis station on Sirius XM long enough, it'll pop up somewhere there as well. This is probably my second favorite Elvis song behind Mystery Train because this is classic Elvis at his best. This is young, brash, Memphis recording studio Elvis at his very best. And it's on iTunes. You, there's, a, there's a compilation called Sunrise that has all his, El, his Sun record stuff. And there's other Sun, Elvis Sun compilations on there. And there's the Essential Elvis Presley has it on there. The only version I don't usually recommend is the one on Elvis's 25 Greatest Hits or whatever. It's the one, it's a gold album cover with Elvis written across it. It was like the Elvis answer to the Beatles one, except I heard somewhere that some of the tracks on the album are remixed. They were remixed to appeal to a more modern audience. So I usually look for compilations dealing with that particular era with Elvis because they don't usually remix the tracks and it's usually what you originally heard on the single. Now we're going to take another 10 second pause and then we're going to talk about a track that I probably have a little more reminiscing about than some of the others on this list. See you in 10. And we're back. Next up is track number three. This particular track I will definitely be able to reminisce about because I can tell you exactly where I can tell you when I first heard what how I first heard it because this was one of those tracks that my parents went out of their way to get a copy of an album with it on it. The, the track in question is That'll Be the Day by Buddy Holly and the Crickets. This was Brunswick single number 955009. Now, interesting piece of trivia. This song was recorded twice. The first time Buddy Holly and his band recorded it was with Decca in, I believe, 1950. It was, it was recorded first with uh, you know, on Decca 
uh, Decker Records single 9-430434. This one was credited to Buddy Holly and the three tunes. And this sounds very different from the hit version. The hit version is the Brunswick single. The Decca was an early single that they did. And the reason there are two versions is Decca, they made a deal with Decca where anything they recorded in that session, they couldn't record for another label. So to get around that, they changed the name of the band from the three tunes to the crickets when they recorded with Brunswick. The Brunswick version became a massive hit and because Brunswick and Decca were under the same umbrella, they were forced, They Decca ended up signing Buddy Holly and the Crickets to the Brunswick label, and anything Buddy Holly did as a solo was put out under the Coral label. The Brunswick hit version was released in May of 1957. It peaked on the chart at number one in September of 1957. The Decca version, however, did not chart. The title of the song was a line repeatedly said by John Wayne in the movie The Searchers. The band went to see it and that line stuck with them and that became the title of the song. The most notable the most notable cover of this song was in 1976 Linda Ronstadt covered this song and her version peaked at number 11 on the Hot 100 charts that year. Another significant version of this song was recorded in the late 50s, I believe around 58 or 59, by a group in England called the Quarrymen. Now, if you don't know who the Quarrymen are, you'll know who they eventually became. The Quarrymen eventually became the Beatles. So That'll Be the Day was the first song recorded by the first incarnation of the band that became the Beatles. Now, the reason I can tell you a little bit more about this, reminisce a little bit more about this song than I did the first two, is the first time I ever heard this song was in the 1970s in California. My parents, and we went to, I don't know where we went to, Montgomery Ward or Sears or wherever we went, had a record bin. And at in the mid, mid to late 70s, a Buddy Holly Greatest Hits collection called Buddy Holly and the Crickets 20 Golden Greats with a spray paint graffiti of Buddy Holly Lives on the cover was released as an album, as a record in the 1970s. And my parents bought it because they liked Buddy Holly and they would play it all the time. I'd hear, that'll be the day, Peggy Sue, all the good ones are on there. So that's how I first heard it. And I didn't really come back to Buddy Holly until I was old enough and able to get my own supply of music. And then I managed to get my hands on some hit CDs. So everything on that CD, I have a cop, that album from 1978, I have a copy of. But I remember them playing that re- playing the heck out of that record on my parents' stereo whenever they could. And believe me, that is not the last time you will hear stories about my parents and the record, the uh, the legendary record player that we used to have in the uh, living room or the dining room. But I remember that record vividly, and I remember them. We played the heck out of it back and forth, up and down, and had all the hits on it. Well, now that we're done with that, I'm going to go for a 10-second pause here, and then we're going to talk about the architect of rock and roll. Be right back. Okay, now let's go to the next track, and I, like I said, we're going to talk about the, art, the architect of rock and roll, Mr. Richard Penniman, better known as Little Richard, and... 
This is my favorite little Richard track of them all, and it's Good Golly Miss Molly. This is specialty single number 624. It was released in January of 58. It peaked at number four on the Billboard charts. Now, Little Richard is one of those artists that re-recorded his stuff over and over multiple times for labels like VJ and so on and so forth. But if you're looking for the original hit version of anything by Little Richard, look for anything that says that it's from Specialty. Specialty Records is where he recorded all of the original hit versions of his songs. So if you want the original best version, get the specialty, rec specialty Records version. This song has been covered a bunch of times by Jerry Lee Lewis, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, among others. Mitch Ryder's version, version, pairing the song with Devil with the Blue Dress on, also peaked at number four on the Billboard chart. So this, this song has been to number four twice in two different versions. First time I, probably the first time I heard this song, was my dad, once we started getting cars with cassette players in them, my dad went to Radio Shack, and this was, this was a surprisingly good compilation, given that it was a like a $2 or $3 cassette from Radio Shack, because you would think Radio Shack would not have gotten the license, the original hit versions, that they would have gotten a bunch of re-records. But as far as I could tell, everything on this tape, which was both one side Chuck Berry and one side Little Richard, was all the original versions. And the Little Richard songs included Good Golly Miss Molly, and that's where I remember it. It's hard to forget anything you hear in the car with my dad because a lot of the times when he really got into something, he would crank the volume just to have fun with you. Now there's gonna be other tracks that that, that that holds definitely holds true for that will be discussed at a later date. But this, but this is probably one of the earliest examples of that. And I know I've heard it on the oldie station a bunch of times. And again, I came back to Little Richard and stuff like this, thanks to my friend Mike. Uh, again, I still can't believe it that I went to Victor's first Christmas party in the dorm with three cassette cases for, full of oldies cassettes. And Mike almost, Mike almost fell, fell off the bed out of shock seeing the artists that were in my cassette cases, not thinking that there was a second guy in the dorm with the same taste in music that he had. And 30 years, 30 years or so onward from that, almost 30 years onward from that, we're still talking and we still get along to the same kind of music. Now I'm gonna take a quick pause and we're going to cover, cover a song that I kind of like and it's done by a group that has influenced a lot of other groups. We'll be right back in 10. Okay, the next track we're gonna talk about is by a group that's influenced a lot of other groups, including the Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, among others. The group is the Everly Brothers and the track is Wake Up Little Su Susie. This was Cadence single number 1337, released in August of 1957. It peaked at number one on the Billboard pop chart. It was actually banned in Boston for suggestive lyrics. Now, if you've ever heard the song, it sounds like a couple that vi a couple of kids who violated curfew or overslept or fell asleep in the movie theater and it, they woke up and it was late and they were gonna be in trouble when they got home. 
So based on the storyline of the song, it was considered suggestive lyrics and it was banned in Boston for a while. Uh, I know there's a lot of covers of this, but the most famous cover of this song was Simon and Garfunkel covered it during their concert in Central Park in 1981. And it actually peaked on the Billboard Hot 100 at 27 in 1982. Now, as far as reminiscing on this one, this is another one of those ones that was a general, I heard it on the oldie station the first time. When your par- when your primary source of music is your is the oldie station, because that's usually the only thing your your parents have on, which was the only thing they had on for years was the oldie station. That's where you get most of your music. And when we started listening to the oldie station, which I believe was in Pittsburgh, they still mixed 50s and 60s. So you got a little bit of everything. And this was usually a common track you would get. I'll have to go back and find, well, actually I did hear the wake up little, the the Simon and Garfunkel version, because I do remember sitting in front of the television watching that concert on HBO. So I did hear that version. Also the version of Mrs. Robinson at the beginning of that uh, concert is good too, but that's a subject for another day. Uh, We're gonna take a quick 10 second break here and then we're gonna hit a track that is one of the, the epitome of one of the trends in 50s music that I'll discuss when I discuss the track. And, and I will discuss the two versions of this song that were recorded. Be back in 10. Okay. Now we come to a track that is the that is the epitome of a trend that went through 50s music. The track in question is Shaboom by the Chords. This was the Cat single 45-104. Cat Records was a subdivision of of Atlantic Records. This version was released June 1954. It peaked at number 9 on the Billboard Pop Charts. This song was also recorded by a group called the Crew Cuts. It was released on Mercury. The Crew Cuts version peaked at number one. This was the Crew Cuts version was one that made it one of these songs where the chords, the original group that recorded this was an African American group. The Crew Cuts were white. And there was a trend in the 50s where if an African American group had a big hit, the record executives would get a white group to cover the song to make it more palatable to white record buyers. And the Crew Cuts recorded this song and their version went to number one. Now, personally, I like the Chords version better because the the Crew Cuts version is a little too orchestral for my taste. The Chords version has appeared multiple times in pop culture. Two of the most recent appearances were in the Disney Pixar movie Cars during the scene after they fix up Radiator Springs late in the movie and the cars are just motivating through the new cleaned up, fixed up Radiator Springs. That's the music that's played in the background. It also appeared in the video game Destroy All Humans and this, the one in Destroy All Humans was a remix by, a remix of the song by a DJ by the name of Junkie XL. And if you don't know who that is, he's the same guy 
who remixed Elvis's A Little Less Conversation to massive success. Again, that'll be a track that we'll discuss later. Also, a spoof of the song by Stan, comedian Stan Freeberg also charted in 1954, and it peaked at number 21 on the Hot 100 Billboard chart. Believe me, this the song in general was one of the biggest songs of 1954, if you've got three versions out there. My first memory of Shaboom is not the recorded version at all. I remember Shaboom because the first time I heard it, my mom, when I was real little, would sit me on her lap and she would sing the chorus to me, the shaboom, shaboom, ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, shaboom, shaboom. She used to sing it to me. I didn't figure out where that piece of music came from until years later when I heard the song for the first, heard the record for the first time. But I do remember my mom used to sing the chorus to me all the time while I was sitting on her knee or sitting on her lap or whatever, we're playing together or something. She would sing it to me and I do remember that. It just was years later I found out that it was a pop song from the 1950s. And like I said, my personal preference is for the chords version. I'll listen to either one. Both of them are inordinately good, but the chords version is better because it's the it's the original version and it I think it's it, the instrumentally it's a lot better than the crew cuts which is which is basically a bland orchestral backing. Well, now we're going to take a quick 10-second break, and we're going to go into another, another ubiquitous oldie station classic. Be right back. Okay, the next one we're going to is another one of those ubiquitous oldie station classics. This is none other than Summertime Blues by Eddie Cochran. This was Liberty single number F55144. It was released on June 1958. It peaked at number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, September 1958. This is a classic that is, it's inspired multitude of covers. I think the original is the best though. It's from artists such as Alan Jackson and The Who. The most successful cover of this song came from the band Blue Cheer, who recorded it in the late 60s early 70s and their version peaked at number 14 on the billboard hot 100 the song was also performed by brian setzer of the stray cats in the movie la bamba where setzer played eddie cochran the this was during the dramatization of the concert uh the february concert at the clear lake iowa surf ballroom the night before Richie Valens, Big Bopper, and Buddy Holly died in a plane crash. Believe me, this, to me, of all the versions of this out there, the best one is the original by Eddie Cochran. Nothing else holds a candle to it. I could listen to the thing all day. Next, next we're going to talk about another jukebox classic, which is the signature song for, for the artist in question. Be back in 10 seconds. Okay, the next one up is another one of those evergreen oldie station classics go-to tracks. I'm talking about the fat man himself, Fats Domino in Blueberry Hill. This is Imperial single number X5407. 
It's released September 1956, and it peaked at number two on the Billboard Jukebox chart. Blueberry Hill is Fats Domino's sing- signature song. It's his biggest hit, and it's the song, whenever you say Fats Domino, it's the song everybody, the first song everybody will quote if you ask, do you know a Fats Domino song? It was not the first version of the song recorded, nor was it the last. There were a bunch of covers of this, but Domino's version is always the best. It's To me, it's one of the all-time 50s greats. Uh, I can't remember the first time I heard it, but it had to be on the oldie station because, again, back in the day before the oldie station switched up and started hitting in the late 60s, early 70s stuff, 50s stuff was everywhere, and they usually had blocks where they played nothing but the 50s, and this was always played. And I can remember hearing it all the time. I think on, I think on Wing and Dayton, and maybe in the early days on Magic, I heard it a bunch of times. But when everybody switched to the late 60s, early 70s um, milieu, this this song slowly disappeared. But I'm sure you can hear it if you wait long enough on the 50s station on Sirius XM. Most uh, Fats Domino compilations on iTunes have the original version. I don't really think he re-recorded it, but if it says it's from the original Imperial Masters or the original hit versions, I would take it at face value. But if you have any questions and you know me, let me know and I'll point you in the right direction. Um, Now we're going to, next up, we're going to take a quick 10 second break and we're going to talk about an early version of a song that became a bigger hit late became more famous later on in another version but i like this version a lot more than the hit version we'll be right back in 10. okay and we're back the next track i'm going to talk about is an early version of a song that became more famous in the 60s when it was recorded by a different act, but in the 1950s, it went to number one. The song I'm talking about is Unchained Melody, but this is the Les Baxter version. It was capital single number F3055. This was released in February of 1955. It peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 100 chart. The Righteous Brothers' more famous version of this song only got to number four. Now, this version is more of a orchestral version with a chorus singing the words Unchain Me. It's the same song, but they sing Unchain Me over the, over the instrumental backing at the beginning. And then I believe it's Les Baxter, whoever the vocalist is on there, starts in and sings the song. I don't think they sing as much of it as the Righteous Brothers did, but they sing like a co- one verse in the chorus or something, and then they, it fades out. I actually like this version better than the Righteous Brothers. I'll take the Righteous Brothers version if I have to, and it will be discussed at some other point. Um, but this version, actually, I like it better. My first experience with this is I found it on a billboard 50s comp. Now, it wasn't the rock and roll era billboard. It was they were called Your Hit Parade. 
These were a series of CDs that covered the non-rock and roll hits from the early to mid 50s. And I got the 55 disc out. I think what I was looking for was the original version of Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling from the movie High Noon. And it happened to be on this disc and I found it and I copied that. And then I went over, so I'll listen to this version of Unchained Melody, see what it sounds like. I said, wow, this is great. And later on, I tracked down, a, I, I, have, I think I have one or two CDs downstairs with this, with this version on it. And I got it off of iTunes. It's easy to find. All you got to do is look up Les Baxter. There's a capital compilation called Baxter's Best that has it on there. That's where I got it from. It's absolutely great. If you want an alternate version of this song other than the, the, uh, the Righteous Brothers version, this is your pick. And to me, it's great to add to any compilation. If you're doing a 50s comp, this is a great pickup if you want a kind of a low-key slowdown from the rock and roll. Now, we're going to take a 10-second break, and we're going to cover the last track, which is a track that's another evergreen oldies oldies station chestnut that's been all over the place and i can tell you exactly where i heard it the first time see you guys back here in 10 seconds and we're back now it's time to discuss the last track on the list for today for today's episode this track is a track that's been all over the place. And you'll, you know it you know it the moment you hear the opening of the track. I'm talking about Get a Job by the Silhouettes. This was Ember single number E-1029. It's released in December of 1957, peaked on the number one on the Billboard Pop Chart in February 1958. This has appeared in multiple movies like American Graffiti, Good Morning Vietnam, and it does appear in the movie Stand By Me. There's a scene where Kiefer Sutherland and somebody else are talking about the body while they're playing pool in a pool hall, and it's the music in the background. The group Sha Na Na took their name from the doo-wop intro to this song. The Sha Na Na Na, Sha Na 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 Ba Doom, part of the intro. They also performed the song during their set at Woodstock, and it was also the opening theme to their television show, which is where I heard it for the first time. I heard the, 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 the first time I ever remember hearing this song was when we used to watch, I think it was on Saturday nights on the local TV station in California and even in Pittsburgh, we used to watch Sha Na Na. And I remember them singing the song and I can re- vividly recall future game show host, John Bowser Bauman. Yes, he was the host of the Hollywood Squares part of the match game Hollywood Squares hour in 1982. It's the same guy, just a little less grease in his hair. I remember John Bowser Bauman wearing the black cutoff t-shirt and the jeans and moving his hand as he would do the, the chorus. There is another song that I remember first hearing on Sha Na Na that was in the 50s. It will be covered at a later date. And it, I'll give you a hint, it was the song that used to close the show. I will probably, now that I've said too much, I will probably put that on the list for volume two of 1950s when that comes around. Let me give you 10 seconds to find this song, if you can, which is which you should be able to. 
and I'll be right back to wrap up. And we're back, and that wraps that final track wraps up episode one of the K10 1950s Volume One. I hope you enjoyed this little trip down memory lane with me. I'm sorry if there's not there was not as much reminiscing in here. Believe me, the reminiscing will pick up dramatically in the next episode because we go to the 60s Volume One. And then after that, we'll go to the 70s. In the 70s, I will present some pretty good evidence that we used to have top 40 radio on in the car when we would drive around. My mom denies it up and down, but I know it's true. And I have the tracks to prove it. So until the next time when we'll cover the 60s, this is Keith signing off, wishing you a good morning, good evening, or good night, wherever you are. And I'll talk to you again next time.